Hi teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online Podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. I hope you're having a great day today, teachers. Thanks for joining me. And today we're sharing an episode, which is an interview with Esther Bing. Esther is a member of the Teach Music Online membership, and you'll hear me give an introduction to her in just a moment and hear all of the amazing, wonderful things that she is doing. But what I really want you to look forward to in this interview is hearing about how Esther has overcome a lot of pain, physical pain from playing her instrument for many years. She is creating a course for music teachers all about movement, functional movement to help you overcome pain. So she shares her story in this interview and it is so interesting and fascinating how she has been able to been able to overcome so much in her career as a music teacher. So lots to look forward to today. Let's go ahead and dive in to this interview with Esther Bing. Esther has been teaching piano for 30 years, which is a little bit hard to believe. (laughs) She has a bachelor's degree in piano performance from the University of British Columbia and a master's degree in piano performance from the Boston Conservatory, where she attended on a full scholarship. I love the connections that Esther and I have because my husband is from Vancouver, where she went to school, and I also studied music in Boston. It's such a small world. Something else that is so unique and interesting about Esther is that she is so passionate about helping musicians with aches and pains and is working to merge music and movement in her program, Move Muse Movement for Musicians, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Esther is such a fantastic member of our Teach Music Online membership. She's so helpful, engaging, and encouraging to our entire community. We're, we are learning so much from her there, so I had to get an interview with her. This conversation is going to be so exciting, so thank you so much, Esther for joining me and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Let's start by just talking a little bit about your study of the piano. Maybe a teacher that inspired you when you got started and how how that grew into something that you're so passionate about seeing that you have two degrees in piano performance. So how did your your love for piano kind of take you into college and an advanced degree? Okay, um, great. Great question. Um, when I was around 12 or maybe a little bit earlier, I actually wanted to quit playing piano. I, um, I just wasn't very good. I didn't practice a lot. Um, and basically my mom and piano teacher told me that I could quit, uh, but I would have to earn it. I would have to earn my way out by um, doing my level six piano exam in RCM and um, but at that time I had never memorized anything I didn't know my scales nothing <laughs> and anyway I said you're on they said you have to practice two hours a day and um, <laughs> one hour one hour will be on scales because I didn't know any and yeah so I did that and I did it for three months and I had my exam which I, I did not do very well on but I ended up actually really liking uh, piano and I think I did well in the music festival um, that year. So it just spurred me on. Um, and then what happened in my, um, when I went to high school was I kind of got involved in jazz music and um, the friends and the group of students, music students there. And I had a wonderful um, jazz uh, jazz instructor 
uh, there, Brent Gilioni from, uh, I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan, so he was amazing. And it so just, it sounds like you had like a social, kind of the social aspect and mentorship that helped you have more of a love. Yeah, that's right. And I guess I'll mention my piano teacher was Lori Ryshinsky, who was the one who gave me that ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. And, and what made you decide to study piano performance? Uh, I guess that was what I was good at. And I loved, I love music and, um, you know, I love all kinds of music, jazz, classical. And so it was just a natural thing to go into and do. So great. How did you like Boston? <laughs> <laughs> Boston's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, Boston is so full of arts and culture. I mean, every day there's an amazing concert there um, by world famous musicians. It's just a hub and um, it's just super duper inspiring. I would love to hear more about where you teach right now, how many students you have and what you like to focus on with your students. Um, so I'm here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, and I have a studio about, of about 20 students. Um, I used to have a studio of 30 and 50 even, um, but I've decided, you know, I really want to focus on the students and, and their progress. And to do that, I need to have um, a limited amount of students, a limited amount of teaching days. I teach Monday to Thursday and um, just really dedicate all those hours to them. So you've mentioned to me before that you kind of went through this process of selecting students where you decided you didn't, you didn't want to just take anyone anymore, but you thought, why don't I audition my students and perhaps get rid of, get rid of sounds so harsh, but let go the students that maybe are not as committed or as excited about learning the instrument because we don't want to, for you, you don't want to waste your time on someone who's really not committed to spending the amount of practice it, it takes to really be, to really excel on the piano. And you have, you have a really amazingly um, ambitious studio is the word I, that comes to mind. You, you require a lot of your students, they do exams, they perform, and there's not a lot of just getting by type of students. So what kind of inspired you to make that change? Um, well, I think uh, given my history, uh, you can understand how that motivated me. Um, so mm. I, I made the change. I, I actually have a mentor here um, and his name is Alan Reiser. And I've talked to him a lot about these types of things and implemented things that he says, said to do. Um, I also have my own things that I do, but um, I wanted to do it just because I think uh, I have a lot to offer the student. And if I'm not making myself available to a specific type of student because I'm too busy teaching mm -hmm. um, uh, other students that are maybe piano is not their number one thing, um, then they're sort of losing out, I think. Uh, and if if it was me as a child, um, as a young teen, I, I would want to have access to a good teacher. Mm. So 
that's motivating for me. Also, I find it more interesting. I find it a use of my, my skills. Um, so yeah, I, I might be a little pickier of who I, I choose to teach. Um, and that's not to say that, that everyone can't learn piano. Definitely not. Everybody deserves that opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it's just, I choose to teach a certain type of student and I enjoy that. And you know, there is a teacher for everyone there. That's what I love about working with music teachers is we all have different strengths and it's for you, it's preparing them to excel and to be technical and to challenge themselves and to have amazing progress to get there. We as music teachers know it's not easy and it takes a lot of work. So you, you kind of positioned yourself as that teacher. There could be teachers listening who like to work with young beginners who maybe have a little bit more on their plate, but they know it's a lot of brain development for the student. And they know, even though they don't practice, it's going to give them so many other skills in life or for teenagers who again, have a, a lot on their plate, but learning a pop song just makes their day. You know, there's, there's all kinds of teachers and I just hats off to you for finding that niche and for branding yourself as this type of studio because a lot of teachers are stuck in that they're not quite sure they just say oh i teach everyone all ages all music it doesn't matter ability and i feel like it's harder to enjoy what you do when you are really general mm -hmm. i i agree with you for sure 100 percent. and um i have taught all kinds of students and i just and I actually do love teaching beginners. I love teaching four or five-year-old students. Um, that's my bread and butter because then if I get them at that age, um, by if I if they stay with me until they're done high school, I mean they're playing that's amazing um, advanced piano music, and it's such a thrill. Such a thrill. Well, I'm interviewing yeah. right now for my almost four-year-old, so I will keep you in mind. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice. I know all these teachers now, right? <laughs> I know, right? It's a good resource. <laughs> yes, totally. There's, there is a teacher for everyone. Can you mention, I, I'm trying to remember, are you living in British Columbia right now then? Is your studio located there? Uh, next to British Columbia. So it's the province over Alberta. So it's about oh, in Alberta, that's right. Yeah, it's about a day drive, uh, a day, a big long drive from Vancouver, like 12 hours. So, okay, awesome. <laughs> and did you teach online before COVID 19 came about? Were you doing online makeup lessons? No, I wasn't doing anything like that. It was just really totally in person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's been quite the shift. Um, it was really stressful at first, but now um, I really love all the tech. I love learning new tech. I did not, I was not a technical person before. Uh, it was just a struggle. I swear I cried every day, some weeks, and um, but I got through it and it's just so worth it now to know all of this information <laughs> about the world and how it's going, you know, 2020. It's amazing the skill set that you have now, whether you are, you become a full-time online teacher or you continue this hybrid studio, these skills that you've gained with knowing how to do video work and knowing how to have a good audio in your studio and how to connect with students online and all of the marketing that, I mean, there's so much that I think 
I've been so impressed with teachers that are developing all of these skills. Is there like one or two particular skills that you feel like you didn't know before that you're grateful for now? Oh, of course. Um, I think uh, you've taught us a lot in the membership uh, and the course, and it's helped, uh, helped me a lot. Um, one of the probably basic things is Google Drive. For me, uh, learning Google Drive and Google Forms, uh, that has helped to streamline uh, mm. so many things like, uh, you know, like you were saying about um, taking students in taking new students. I have a form now for that. And it literally asks all the questions I could dream about asking. And <laughs> it helps to vet them before they they come into my studio, you know? So um, it saves me a lot of time. So I guess that's number one. Number two, let me think about that. Um, oh, I guess I, I just really enjoy the visuals, the, the cameras. I enjoy working with the lights and making my studio look professional and just learning all about that. And it's, it's all of it is, uh, you know, it's infinite <laughs> what you can do. Absolutely. And, yeah. and thinking about your students moving forward, they can move away or go on vacation or go to college on the other side of the country and you can still teach them. It's amazing. You know, I think back about students that I had, you know, that was so sadly moved away and I, some of them might've quit too. And uh, it's such a shame, you know? I really love hearing more about selecting students and encouraging them in your studio. I think it's, it's just intriguing to hear how different studios work. So share with us a little bit about your audition process and selecting students. Okay, so um, I did make, make notes because I know that you were going to ask something like this. <laughs> but um, in my uh, Google form right off the bat, uh, you know, I ask about cat allergies if they're coming to the house because that's, you know, that's a do or die kind of thing, right? <clears throat> um, I have a very strict rule that I want them to have an acoustic piano. Um, not to say that electric or digital pianos are not relevant. I have one myself. I love it. For what I'm intending as I'm teaching, I, I need a, an acoustic piano and because it, it affects the technique. And um, I, I find that I can't I can't get it back uh, quite the same way if they've been on an acoustic, uh, on a digital piano. Um, and I also want to know their school age and the level of piano that they're in, um, because I, again, I want them to finish. I want them to get to level 10 RCM or even the diploma level. Those are advanced levels um, before they graduate. Um, I want to know that they're available on weekends for recitals uh, because I do monthly recitals, at least monthly recitals, and we have master classes. So um, that's really important. Um, and there's other things like equipment and all that stuff for online lessons, but which is obvious, I think. And um, so when they come in for an audition, if they've come from another teacher, um, I will actually spend an hour with them. Uh, I test their ear. I test their sight reading. I, I ask them to play me a couple scales, uh, triads if they can, um, just anything that they're comfortable with. I don't say play C scale. I say just play a scale. Um, so I get a real picture of where they are. 
technically and um, theoretically. And then I have them play a couple of pieces, whatever they like, contrasting pieces. And then, um, and then I can decide whether or not um, they would be a fit for my studio or, and I also know exactly where to start them when they begin les lessons with me, you know? So there might be a deficit in say sight reading. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with that is that then they're gonna have a hard time learning their new music because they're not good sight readers. So I will spend, um, I had an advanced, uh, advanced student um, and they, uh, they didn't have good sight reading. We spent a year on it. I just was giving them quick studies from level three, level four, level five, level six, and um, until they could actually read. And that's all we did all year. And he, um, he had a couple of pieces that he was working on that were at the advanced level, but we really didn't do very much on them. Um, and so now he's ready to go. He's ready to wow. go this year. Yeah, because we fixed that core base um, problem. Oh, that's so refreshing. That's so refreshing to hear because I, we all as teachers have students who come to us with, you know, they're, they're missing something or a lot of them can't read, you know, there may be eight or nine and they took for two years, but they don't know a note on the page. And so it's really cool to hear that you take the time to get them to where you want them to be, especially if they're showing commitment to learning, you know, it's, it's not that he, he's a bad student. He just, for some reason, wasn't good at sight reading yet. And what are some ways that you encourage your students to practice? And do you have incentives built in or do you, you know, you, you mentioned their sign up process. They have to commit to that from the beginning. Do you just expect it from them or how do you get that from your students? Um, yeah, I tell them that I'm a performance studio when they come in. Um, so they know what to expect. Um, the, the motivating factors, um, like I mentioned before, monthly recitals, no matter what's mm -hmm. going on. So, um, so even if there's something else and not a different recital, there's still our standard monthly recitals. And um, I was lucky enough to be part of um, a, a group, a teacher's group uh, that my mentor, Alan, had put together last year. Uh, well, for the last three years. Anyway, and then I was also part of the university here where they had monthly recitals. Now that we're online, um, that has kind of gone away. And so I will be looking to start that up online on Zoom. I'm super excited about it with um, other teachers that want to be a part of it. And uh, there's going to be requirements that um, the students play by memory. Um, and maybe that they're also microphone, that they have a microphone because mm -hmm. I want it to be a certain standard. <clears throat> and um, so I also um, have my students do, like, as we mentioned before, RCM exams. That's the Royal Conservatory of Music here. It's very popular in Canada. And I know that it's, it's infiltrated into the US. Um, I'm also an examiner for them, a piano examiner, and I have been for the last four years. Um, and I find that that is so important because it helps you check all the boxes to make mm -hmm. sure that the student um, does have 
have ear skills, can sight read, um, can memorize, and also they're playing their technique uh, correctly. So um, we might skip an exam here and there, but it's not my preference. Um, and then in, with all of those things, I always have a performance class the week before. Um, so if you can, and with exams, I do three performance classes uh, um, starting a month before so that they're really ready. And it was so important this year because of being on Zoom, a lot of it would be just testing sound and making mm. sure the camera was in the right place. And so that everything was right at the exam and that they did it again and they did it again. And then by the time they got to the exam, it was natural, it, they were used to it. So if you can imagine, um, one student in my studio could potentially have 20 performances um, if you add music festivals to that, right? And mm. on top of those 20 performances, he's getting 23 or 26 performance classes with it. Um, because with the young kids, uh, so under 10 years old, 10 and under, I do twice a year uh, playtime. It's like they come together and they just play whatever pieces they've got, uh, mostly memorized, some not. Some of them make up their pieces because they're just new. Um, they watch each other bow. Um, they get to know each other. Even if we're on Zoom now, I really love the breakout room feature because uh, maybe after a class or during the class, I'll say, oh, do you wanna go with your friend in the breakout room? Like I'll notice they're chatting or something. So, I mean, That's it awesome. is yeah, it's more difficult to create that opportunity for community, um, which is so important. And uh, so it's just, it's a challenge and I'm still kind of looking for ways around that, but yeah. I love hearing that the motivator is the performances and the motivator for them to work hard is, you know, a deadline or a class and that, that's how all of us work when we have a deadline. We're, that's how we worked in college. You know, every semester you learn these pieces and we, because of those deadlines, we put the practice in. And for teachers listening, if you're looking for a way to add this, you could do monthly recordings where you're encouraging your students, or maybe you have by this Friday, every single month, the fourth Friday, you record two pieces or a piece memorized at performance ready. And that way they're building a library of repertoire, even during COVID, where they might be a little overwhelmed or, you know, going through these crazy transitions this fall with school starting and not knowing what's going to happen, those monthly recordings can be really, really uh, incentivizing. <laughs> Is that a word? I, I love that idea. I love it. I even have a child who is has started a YouTube channel and he plans to put a piece on there every single week from all the pieces he's learned in the past. So awesome. Really cool. And um, I forgot to mention also, I have internal scholarships um, and I do the fundraising for those uh, before, well, we, we, had, we used to, we had this local music festival. <clears throat> I would do a concert for that and I would say, okay, well, to the parents and whoever, whoever was there, you can donate. And um, I got the idea of a donation uh, uh, recital from uh, Mr. Riser as well, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Alan. Um, so, 
uh, that has been really helpful because uh, the, the students look forward to getting those scholarships and they kind of compete with each other. And basically it's, they are based on um, exam marks. So I don't have to feel guilty. Oh, I didn't give it to the student. Mm it to this student it's just purely numbers and actually um any of them can can get a scholarship a small one anyway and this was uh alan's idea that you give um if someone got a perfect mark within the exam so if they got 10 on 10 on their sight reading then they would get ten dollars for me it's ten dollars i don't know what he does but yeah and so that makes it open for everyone you know you don't have to be the best but you do have to work okay let's transition and talk about move muse for musicians i know this is such a cool educational thing that you're creating for musicians not just pianists i guess right is it for it's for musicians or first for uh, pianists yeah it's 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 for musicians, but at the moment I'm gearing it towards pianists because I am a pianist and mm-hmm. that's what I know. Um, but I do think it could be, I, I know it's, it, it's been helpful to me and it, it could be a game changer for uh, musicians that are suffering any pain or injury um, due to either their, uh, their practicing or even teaching. Now you're hearing people are, oh, I've got tight shoulders, I've got pain mm-hmm. in my back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So is Move yeah. Muse for Musicians, is it techniques that musicians can use to relieve pain in different areas? Or tell us a little bit more about what it is. Yeah, so it's actually a movement lifestyle. So I'm, I'm going to call it a movement lifestyle for pianists right now. Um, and it, it comes from all of my research and training um, the past three years into how the human body was meant to move, like before the uh, advance of agriculture even, like how did we move? Uh, How did we move to gather food, uh, to to play, to clean? Just all these things, it it will just blow your mind really. And um, there are lots of movement modalities out there. I trained in one of them and became a a personal trainer for, sorry, a certified trainer for MoveNAT. Um, And that's just, you can look it up, M-O-V-N-A-T. And basically I have, I'm just looking at some notes down here, so I'm not ignoring. Um, I found a way to use all of these different modalities that I've learned, there's like at least six, um, and apply them to a pianist's life. And basically it came about because I suffered so many injuries. <laughs> I was a wreck before this and, um, and I, I can go down the list if you'd like <laughs> about what, what was going on with me. Um, so I had thoracic outlet syndrome, which is, um, makes your, your pinkies and your, your, your fourth finger numb and your hands sort of achy and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a, a herniated disc in my back or I still have it, but I don't have pain from it, um, in my lumbar vertebrae four and five. 
And I, it was so bad that I had to have uh, cortisone shots in my back every three months. And that was, it was like 10 years, 10 years of suffering. Wow. I was on pain pills. It was bad. And, um, you know, I had all the other stuff like tendonitis um, in my forearms and pain in deep pain in between my shoulder blades. Um, I, I all was all the way down in the lower body too. I had problems with my feet. Like I would just hop on whichever foot was less painful that day. Um, it, it's just, oh, it's emotional talking about it actually. <laughs> but anyway, um, I had knee problems, patellofemoral syndrome in my knees. Um, yeah, a collapsed arch and cuboid syndrome in my feet. All, I mean, all because I wasn't moving correctly in my life. And um, I, I went through all the, the regular um, modalities for pianists. Um, there's so many uh, techniques out there that I, I looked at and I studied. I even did Alexander technique for three years, private lessons. Um, wow. Uh, what else? Um, I saw doctors, specialists. I even had a uh, ergonomist come to my house to show, you know, to observe me teaching. Okay. Because I would just be in so much pain after teaching, after, after practicing all those things. And um, I, I basically hit a mind shift, like a paradigm shift and realized that if I am going to keep doing the same thing every day, I'm going to, I'm not only going to get the same result, but I'm going to get worse. I just keep on getting worse and worse. And, you know, a person can only suffer so much with, um, yeah, it's so emotional, um, with that much pain, you know? So I, I got out of it. <laughs> I got out of it. And um, it was by applying uh, the principles of, of human movement, of a functional movement. Um, and it's hard to describe without showing. And mm -hmm. so it's COVID has been difficult um, to say the least in that, you know, we all had to do this move. Many of us move a, a studio immediately online. It's like online startup. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and so it's gotten away in, in the way a little bit now of me um, rolling this out. I just think that people need to, musicians, pianists to start now need to know about, about this. I love the name Move Muse because it means so much. Uh, you know, move, we have to move more. We have to, we just have to move more. We have to move differently. We have to move the way that our bodies were intended to move as humans. Um, and we have to like muse about it. We, we have to move in different ways. Um, find the myriad and millions of different ways that our bodies can move. It's just incredible. Like mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. I, I take parkour. I've been doing parkour for like <laughs> over a year. I'm the parkour pianist. Okay. I love it. I, I'm intermediate. So like, I'm not that good. Right. But I, I'm doing things that I, I shouldn't be doing in my forties um, that I never did when I was a kid, 
that I was never interested in doing as a pianist that I was afraid of doing because I don't want to break these fingers, these 10 digits. I don't want to break these wrists. Oh, oops. I forgot to tell you I had a broken wrist too. For oh 20 my years. gosh. Okay. And that actually is so crazy because with this um, natural uh, moving naturally, I, it actually popped back in one day and I kid you not. I kid you not. Oh, so, it's so body, amazing. The human body is amazing. It's absolutely it really amazing. Is. Yeah. And I just want to help people who are at the end of their ropes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Esther, that's incredible. And like, even for people that aren't at the end of their ropes, it sounds like it's so preventative as well. Like having preventative measures in place before that pain comes where we're using our bodies, how they're meant to be used. And I love the term functional, you know, like you said, like we're meant, we're actually meant to do these things and that's what our bodies are built for. We just maybe don't know how to, or we're not doing them often enough so that when you do sit at the piano and play for hours, messes you, messes you up. It messes you up. I, I mean, I think very few people come away without having some sort of injury playing piano. Totally. And, uh, it's, it, so I'm not talking about a technique. I'm not talking about, there's plenty of techniques out there and you can learn to play correctly with them. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a complete paradigm shift in your lifestyle and it can be implemented and you can do it and you can do it successfully and still run a studio and still practice and still perform like it's really funny because you don't see me um but i'm just gonna pan the camera down okay you're gonna see something funny i'm sitting um, are you on a cross -leg here. I'm <laughs> oh on you're cross-legged nice no i'm on a box um i i i basically am on this uh 36 by 30 by 18 inch plyo box and then on top of it i have a two inch mat you awesome. yeah it's hard and so I'm, I'm sitting cross-legged, I'm sitting on my knees, I'm sitting on with a side sit. Um, mm -hmm. You can hear me moving around and shifting now, sorry. But um, it's things like these that you can implement and people, you know, once you get over, when I started doing this, uh, I wanna say that I, I just told the parents, you know, this is, here's where I'm at, I'm in pain, I have mm -hmm. this herniated disc, that was a big deal for me. Um, I can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're going to see some weird stuff in the studio, but <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. And guess what? People understand. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. so great. I, I love finally hearing about the, 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 your story and how heartbreaking, but also encouraging it is to hear that you were able to overcome so much pain in your life. I know that teachers listening will relate, maybe not yeah. to the extent, hopefully, you know, they haven't had that much pain, but they probably have had something as a pianist um, that has caused them either to quit or to stop playing themselves. I feel like I've kind of gone through that. And mine was probably more of a technique thing, but with my hands where I just, I couldn't practice anymore or with my back or like, you know, I, I had a chiropractor who was fantastic at Berkeley, who I'd meet with every week, who taught me different like physical therapy stretches that 
made such a huge difference in my musician musicianship as I went through college, where if I didn't have that, I, it could have been a different story if I didn't find that solution at that time. Yeah. And um, that's actually, it's the reason I never did my doctorate. I wanted to do my doctorate, but I had so much pain in um, my upper back, just like stabbing pain in my shoulders. And um, I mean, now I can do a strict pull-up or two. I can do, you know, that's insane. That's incredible. Just, I can't believe where, where I've come from and where I am now. And you don't have to, you don't have to be able to do that to get out of it. The pain cycle, I, I got out of it within a year. So I just have one last question for you. I love how passionate you are about teaching and about helping musicians. I would love to hear what, what motivates you? Why do you keep teaching even during a pandemic or even when life gets hard or even through all those pains and aches? What, what motivates you? Hmm. So uh, a few things. Um, I, I want to give I want to give the student better that than what was given to me. I just, I real. it's like, I'm, it's like, I'm teaching myself as a, as a young girl and giving myself all the things that I, I wanted and, and wished I could have. I, I mean, I'm trying to anyways. <laughs> so there's that, but it's more like intrinsic motivation. Um, I just, I, I'm so motivated when I hear, um, a student play a piece better than I could play it or better than I'm imagining it. It's just so inspiring. I love that. Um, there's probably a little bit of like OCD or something in there too, um, <laughs> that I just keep picking at it. I love that it's infinitely um, interesting. Music is just there's you're never done it can be the most frustrating thing as well but <laughs> that, you know you're never done um you know my sister uh sarah is an artist she's an amazing artist sarah bing and and anyway she's she, i'm jealous because when she's done a painting she's done <laughs> <laughs> um so that there's that and then i just really enjoy the connections with the students um you know, just getting to know them and seeing them grow up their whole, their whole uh, school age life and then beyond. Um, and not only that, just the connections I make in music with my, with the teacher friends and that whole community. And I, I want it to thrive. I want it to be something that can be passed on. That's, that's excellent. Um, yeah, it's just motivating for me. <laughs> Well, you sound like you have so much you're giving the world through music. And as teachers, I don't think we will ever know the, the influence. And that's okay. You know, it's okay that we'll never quite know the, the impact that we have on others. Because those students, they will likely, yours will likely go on to teach. They will likely study music and go on to teach and affect other students. And what an incredibly, um, not just empowering, but just filling career just to know that you're giving that is so wonderful yeah well they'll either become musicians and teachers or doctors and lawyers <laughs> either one you know it's all good. 
We'll take any of it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Esther. This was so fun to have you here. You're welcome. It's been awesome. I enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Thanks so much to Esther for being on the podcast with me. I absolutely loved being able to hear her story. And I'm I'm so grateful that she was vulnerable and open about a lot that she's been through as she has figured out how to overcome so much pain that she's had as a musician. I will link information about Esther in the show notes. So if you go into your podcast app and just click on notes, you'll see links where you can learn more about Esther's course, which she is in the process of creating right now. Depending on when you hear this, it might be finished. So make sure you check out those show notes to learn more about Esther. And I hope that her story inspired some of you to maybe make some changes in your life or to have a little bit of hope if you are suffering from some of the pain that Esther had as well. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please head over to iTunes and leave a review. If you haven't yet, why have you not left me a review? I love getting your reviews because it really, it's just so fun for me to hear from teachers that are listening from all over the country and all over the world and to hear your online teaching stories. And of course, come and join us in the Teach Music Online membership where you can get to know other music teachers and not feel so isolated during this time where we're teaching online and trying to figure everything out. But not only are you going to get to engage with other amazing teachers, you'll get access to all of my video resources and training, which is only available in the membership. Head over to teachmusic.online to learn more. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week of teaching or whatever you're up to. And as always, happy teaching.